Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that today's message encourages and inspires you and helps you on your journey to discover and follow the will of God. The outline of this message, speaker, message title, and series can be found in the show notes or the details page. Be sure to check us out on Facebook or on our church website at Bethlehem505.com. And now, here is the message. And hopefully the Word of God that we will look at this morning will minister uh, to each of us uh, as we um, uh, look to to see what God has to say. Uh, We're going to be looking at, yes, the God who sees, and uh, there might be many of you hurting in some way uh, today. Well, his name was Mike, and I roomed with Mike my freshman year at Lincoln Christian College. And Mike was uh, legally blind in one eye, although he could see just a little bit, and he had a glass eye in his other eye. And because he could see just a little bit in in this one eye, he had a a magnifying scope that, that was attached to the lens of his glasses. So everybody called him Diamond Cutter. That was his nickname. I never called him that to his face, uh, and I don't know if anybody else did, uh, but that was his nickname. He, he looked like a jeweler. And Mike, uh, due, to, due to his situation, he had been sheltered most of his young life, and then off he goes to Bible college. Uh, I wanted to be in the, in the dorm that he was in. It was the cool guy's dorm, and I wanted to be a cool guy. So I, I talked to the dorm mother, and she said, I've only got one bed in the entire dorm, and it's with Mike. I said, oh, I can get along with anybody. I'll, I'll take it. Well, <laughs> that's a long year. Mike was very, very different, and I hate to admit that I didn't spend very much time with Mike. So I would hang out with, with my friends down in other rooms in the dorm, and one day we were just hanging out, doing our thing, when the door slowly opened and this hand slowly came into the room holding a glass eye. And we all just paused for a second. And that hand put that glass eye on the dresser, which is right next to the door. And we hear Mike say, I'm keeping my eye on you. And he left that glass eye there, and he shut the door, and off he went. Well, we freaked out, you know. (laughs) We're yelling at Mike to get that stupid eyeball out of there. But has anyone ever said those words to you? I'm keeping my eye on you. You know, know, we have this little thing that that we do now, right, with, with people to let them know we're watching them. Well, if you've ever had someone say, I'm keeping my eye on you, you can take that one of two ways. Now, one way, it's, it's a warning. Somebody is watching you to make sure that, that you don't cause any trouble, that you don't do anything wrong. You know, we might tell a bunch of little 10-year-old boys, you know, hey, I'm keeping my eye on you, you know. But that statement can also express care and concern. Maybe we take our child or our grandchildren to, to the playground and we tell them, go on, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on you. 
which simply means you'll be okay. I'm here. I'll be watching you. Well, have you ever thought of how God says to us, I'm keeping my eye on you? Again, we can take that one of two ways. One is it's a warning. God sees everything that we do, the good and the bad. That ought to make us sit up straight and fly right. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now that's, that's a pretty sobering verse right there. But the other side of God telling us that he's watching us, again, shows care and concern. It shows us how much he loves us. The, the almighty God of this universe cares enough about each one of us to watch our every step. And that's what I want to remind you of today. You know, sometimes preaching isn't just giving, giving you know, new information, teaching you something, you know, the latest and greatest. Sometimes we just need to be reminded. And that's what I want to remind you of this morning, that God sees us, that our wonderful Heavenly Father knows what we go through and loves us like we can't imagine. Uh, Genesis 16, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at this passage. We find in this chapter the story of a young lady named Hagar. She was an Egyptian maidservant to Sarah and to Abraham. And you may remember the story of Sarah and Abraham, how God came to this older couple, said that they were going to have a son. All the nations of the earth would be blessed through, through their son. But being at, at this original point in about their, their 70s, Abraham and Sarah, well, they got a pretty good laugh out of that. And when nothing happened for several years, Sarah got impatient, told her little slave girl, Hagar, you know, maybe Abraham could father a son through you. And that's exactly what happened. Hagar got pregnant. But when she did, man, things got a little messy. Hagar actually got a little uppity. <laughs> I'm pregnant and you're not. Well, Sarah got a little snippy. And if you look at Genesis 16, verse 5, let's see what happened. And this was before their names were changed to Sarah and Abraham. And then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, i got to admit, I feel a little bit sorry for Abraham. Now, he should have known better to do what he did. You know, hey, this isn't God's plan. Well, he did it anyway. But I feel sorry for him because... Because once he simply did what his wife told him to do, he gets himself in trouble. So to save himself, he reacts like most of us men do. Hey, you told me, then don't drag me into this, right? But then Abraham kind of throws Hagar under the bus. Look at verse 6. Your slave is in your hands. 
Abram said, do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Now what did we see just a minute ago from Hebrews chapter 4? That nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight? Well, God had been watching all of this mess unfold. So let's go to verse number 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. Now, I don't know about you, friends, but I think that is a beautiful verse. Because it teaches us that God loves us enough to run after us. That when, when Hagar fled into the wilderness to get away from Sarah, God ran after her. He chased her down. And look at what the angel said, starting in verse 8. Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and, and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Now let's think about Hagar here for a minute. In, in that culture back then, she basically had four strikes against her. Now typically we say three strikes and you're out, right? In essence, she had four strikes. She was a female, first of all. And back in Bible times, thousands of years ago, in that culture, females were, were looked upon as being, you know, even lower than the animals. But she wasn't only a female, she was a foreigner. She was an Egyptian. She was not of God's chosen people. Now things were still early here with Abraham and Sarah, but, but she was a foreigner. But she wasn't only a female foreigner, she was a female foreign slave. And if that wasn't bad enough, again, those were three strikes, well, but she's got one more. She was a female foreign slave who is now pregnant out of wedlock. But this female, foreign, pregnant slave girl was exactly who God chased after through that angel. And when he caught up to her, he gave her this wonderful promise that through her son, she would have many descendants. It's amazing. Now Jesus, Matthew 10, 29 says that God sees when a, when a little sparrow falls to the ground. And then he adds, and, and you are worth much more than many sparrows. This, this throwaway young slave girl named Hagar, she found out how valuable she was in God's sight. And look at the impact it had on her. Go to verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. 
For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Now the name that Hagar gave to God is El Roi, the God who sees, the God who sees me. And it's very interesting to me, this is the only time in Scripture that somebody gives God a name. Now God has many names. But this is the only place where somebody gives God a name. Wasn't one of the patriarchs that did it. Wasn't a priest. Wasn't one of the apostles. Wasn't a prophet. But a female Egyptian slave girl who had become pregnant through somebody else's sin is the one who gives God this beautiful name of El Roi, the God who sees me. She came to know God in a very special way here in the wilderness. I've noticed in 35 years of ministry, I've sadly noticed this actually, that while a lot of Christians know about God, they don't really know God. And I believe that if Christians knew God better, their lives and their faith would completely change. Now notice how Hagar came to know God in a very personal way. Now being an Egyptian, she had, hadn't grown up knowing anything about this Jehovah God, but she lived with Abraham and Sarah who had conversations with God. I mean, God literally talked to these people. So I'm sure that God, Jehovah God, was a big topic of conversation around Abraham and Sarah's house. So Hagar most likely knew about this God, but she didn't really know him until she experienced him out in the desert. It took a time of terrible hardship for Hagar to come to know God. And you know, that's how it still works for some of us even today. We may not truly get to know God until we face some kind of hardship. And maybe you could say, yep, that's how I came to know God. Or that's how I came to know God better. So once Hagar came to know God in this personal way, she gives him this name, the God who sees me. And there in verse 13, she says, I've now seen the one who sees me. This connection happened between Hagar and the Lord. This, this relationship formed. And now she truly believed that this, this is the one true God, and he cares for me. I would venture to say that probably every single one of us knows that life can get hard. We know that. We get kicked to the curb. We get pushed out. We get thrown around. We're told we're worthless. Things may happen that <clears throat> we just don't understand. And man, we've seen in the past couple of years how crazy this world can get and now with the war in the Ukraine and 
and all the political things going on in our country. Man, this world is just a mess. And maybe in your own little corner of the world, things have happened to you to the point that like Hagar, you just want to run away and hide. Which is exactly why we need to remember and to know that God, I'm keeping my eye on you. That he cares about us, that he loves us. Uh, I have a little reading here that I've used at funerals over the years. Reminds those who are brokenhearted that God knows what we're going through. And sometimes that's all we need to know. That God knows, right? That he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what we're facing. And maybe you haven't lost a loved one or, or a friend here lately. My, my best friend died two weeks ago tomorrow, Mike Hopkins. And they knew him well at Georgetown Church. I did his funeral a week ago yesterday. Still hurts. Really haven't had time to process much because as Tom said, we had spring clinic this past week and then our preacher's workshop the past couple of days. Just been really, really busy. Finally got to the, my house in George Junction. We have a camper up, up at Restoration Acres. We got to the house last night. So, oh, this is where I live, huh? And, and just been busy week, hard couple of weeks. But maybe, you know, well, I've, I've not lost anybody here lately, but have you lost a job? Have, have you lost a dream? Have you lost some incentive? Have you lost anything here? Maybe you're hurting in some way today. If so, I hope these words can encourage you. I said, God, I hurt. And God said, I know. I said, God, I cry a lot. And God said, well, that's why I gave you tears. I said, God, I'm so depressed. And God said, well, that's why I gave you sunshine. I said, God, life is so hard. And God said, well, that's why I gave you loved ones. I said, God, my loved one died. And God said, so did mine. I said, God, it's such a loss. And God said, well, I saw mine nailed to a cross. I said, but God, your loved one lives. And God said, so does yours. I said, but God, it still hurts. And God said, I know. That's what God told Hagar. She ran from Sarah, pregnant, out in, into the desert, confused and outcast, didn't know what was going to happen to her or her unborn child, but God came to her through that angel and simply said, I know. I know what you're going through. And I care about you. 
And what happened to Hagar thousands of years ago still happens to us today, doesn't it? Again, people mistreat us. Life gets hard. Things fall apart. But the God who saw Hagar is the God who sees us. So when the doctor says it's not good news, remember that God sees. When your spouse says, I don't love you anymore, I'm out of here, remember that God sees. When your children get into trouble and just breaks your heart in two, remember that God sees. He says, I know. When your loved one dies, when you feel like you just want to take off, when you're battling depression, remember God sees, God knows, and understand that he just wants to chase you down and show you how much he loves you and then even bring good out of a bad situation. Or Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. Man, just hone in on that verse this coming week, if nothing else. Now, real quick, it's interesting that the name Hagar gave to God not only means the God who sees me, but there in the Hebrew, it also refers to, to, to this. It means the God who sees to it. You know, when, when there's a job to do, have you ever said, hey, I'll, I'll see to it. I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll make sure it gets done. Well, Hagar learned that God not only saw her, but that God would take care of her, that God would see to it. Now, that didn't mean she could just sit back. <laughs> okay. It's all yours, God. I'm, you know, I got a little sign in our in our kitchen, Cindy and I do, above the stove, and uh, says, "Don't worry, God's going to take care of all your problems today." And I told Cindy, I said, "I know what that means, and I agree with it in part." But if I get a flat tire, does that mean God's going to change my flat tire? No. I spent several years, uh, Cindy and I did down in Grundy, Virginia with old preacher Greenleaf. And his wife was Louise. And preacher, man, he was a man of prayer. He started the National Prayer Clinic. Tom, you've probably spoken there down in, at the CCYC youth camp in Grundy. Man of prayer. And they were going up that mountain, actually, to the, to the youth camp. This was this one lane gravel road. You'd fall off the side. But he'd say, oh, don't worry. The trees will catch you. Caught me one time, he said. But they're going up this road, and all of a sudden the car had a flat tire. They got out and looked, you know, just drop off the side of the mountain, gravel road. And Louise said, said Preacher, what are we going to do? And he says, We're going to pray. And she said, Pray nothing. We've got to change the flat tire. <laughs> yes, we trust God to take care of things, but we have a responsibility as well. Remember, we saw in verse 9, the angel said, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Now, Hagar probably thought, I'm not going back to that old battle axe. Are you kidding me? But she did. She obeyed the word of the Lord, went back and submitted 
to her mistress, not knowing how things might turn out. And when God saw that Hagar trusted him and obeyed him as she went back to Sarah, well, he saw to it and worked things out for her good. And friends, he will do the same for us. When we truly trust God, when we do what he says, even when we don't know how things are going to turn out, God will see to it and work things out for our good as well. Now, if we fast forward a little bit, something else I think is kind of neat here. When Hagar gave birth to her son, she named him what the angel told her to name him, named him Ishmael. And you know what Ishmael means? Look, God hears. Isn't that awesome? The angel said, verse 11, you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. It's amazing that Hagar learned, yes, this amazing God is not only the God who sees, he's not only the God who sees to it, but he's also the God who hears, and that's why she trusted him. So here's the big question. Here, here's the so what this morning. The big question for us today is, in what area of your life do you need to trust God like Hagar did? Is it with your marriage, your job, your finances? Do you have a relationship that's suffering or broken? Do you have a body that's broken and you're fearful what the future holds? Is your spirit broken? You're discouraged? If you're hurting today, if you feel like Hagar out there in the desert, will you trust God to see to it? If you're dealing with depression or addiction, if you're struggling to forgive somebody, if your walk with the Lord is just flat, if you just want to run away like she did, are you willing to trust the God who can, who can do immeasurably more than all you ask or even imagine? Whatever you might be facing today, friends, trust the God who sees. Trust the God who sees to it. Trust the God who hears. Because God can take care of whatever problem you may face. Including our sin problem. That's the whole reason Jesus went to the cross. So that we would have a way of being saved from the penalty of our sins. And, and I, don't, I don't know if there's anyone here today who has not yet become a Christian. But I do know that one of the biggest reasons that people reject God, reject Christianity, is because of what we thought about today all the heartache all the trouble all the misery of this life people say well there can't be a god when all we see is war and crime and terrorism and death and heartache but please realize friends that none of those things are god's fault 
God gets blamed for a lot of things that aren't his fault. You know that? A month or two ago, my son and daughter-in-law were involved in a hit and run. Drunk driver slammed into them, and actually they were right in front of us at a stop sign at about 9 o'clock at night. Cindy and I were sitting right behind him in our car. I'm just sitting there waiting for Corey to, to go through, you know, the, the stop sign. And all of a sudden, bam! I mean, it's, it's really freaky sitting there watching your son and daughter-in-law get plowed into. Well, I threw the car in park. I jumped out to see if they were okay. And this kid was slumped over, and he was backed up, started pulling, had his window down. He said, I'm so sorry, man. I said, you're drunk or high or something, buddy. No, I'm not. And off he went. And Cindy's going, license plate, A564421. <laughs> we got him later that night. The cops got there in about 10 minutes and arrested him. But you know, my son, he never said, well, why did God do that to me? No, he's, he's mature enough to know that God had nothing to do with that guy getting drunk and getting behind the wheel and slamming into them. Again, all, all the trouble and death and disease and war and crime we see in this old world, it isn't God's fault. You know whose fault it is? It's our fault. It's mankind's fault. God did not create the world like this. In the beginning, everything was perfect, right? The Garden of Eden no death, no pain, no sickness, no heartache, no trouble. Adam and Eve had it made until they did what? Until they sinned and disobeyed God and brought all this junk upon us. So don't blame God. And if you're not yet a Christian, don't reject God because of the terrible things in your life. Actually, all those things in your life breaks God's heart as much as it breaks your heart. It upsets him as much as it upsets you. If anything, we should run to God. We should flock to God. He's the only one who has the answer for all that we face. He's the only one who can save us from it all. He's the only one who truly cares, who truly sees, who truly sees to it, who hears our cries. We learn that from Hagar. We can learn it for ourselves. So if you've been rejecting God due to all these terrible things in the world, please know that he wants to save you from this lousy world. And that happens as we take the steps of faith that the Bible talks about. The steps of faith in Scripture are clearly outlined. You know these. We are to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're to repent of our sin, change, allow God to change us, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then we're buried in Christian baptism where God's grace washes us clean, fills us with the Holy Spirit. Our song of decision is very appropriately, I need thee every hour. And isn't that true? I need thee every hour. Sometimes we need him every minute, don't we? And the good thing is, he's right there for us.
If you're ready to make a decision for the Lord today, we invite you to do that. I assume most of us here this morning have taken these steps of faith that we are children of God, but life can throw a lot at us, can't it? So again, just be reminded this morning that we have a great God who loves us, a God who sees each one of us, wants to work good out of all of our rotten situations if we trust him, if we do what he says. Thank you for listening to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and think others can benefit from it, we encourage you to share it on social media, subscribe to our podcast, or leave us a rating and review on the podcast platform you use. You can also connect with us online at Bethlehem505.org or find us on Facebook. Please join us next time as we each seek to understand God's word and follow his son, Jesus Christ.